Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode 11 of Marvel Cast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by fans for fans. Each week, we will discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by reviews and discussion of the latest release content in this ever expanding multiverse. Our audience is a key component to our show, and we will wrap up each week by answering your Marvel related questions. I'm your host, Steve, and joined with me, like always, is JG. JG, we're back for episode 11. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. As always, there's uh, a lot to talk about. I mean, we're on the eve of another Marvel movie, which is so crazy now. This is our third one covering, and I'm pretty excited. Can you believe that in 11 weeks together, and I know you and I have been friends for over a year now, you're almost two years, um, but in the past 11 weeks, we've had three films to digest. Um, that's just remarkable. I mean, it's just nonstop, and it's hard to even, I'm excited for tomorrow when we're 24 hours away from it, but I'm also at the point where it's hard for me because I'm still digesting Venom. I'm still digesting Shang-Chi, which I'm going to see again when it comes out on Disney+. Plus. But yes. man, I'm, I shouldn't complain because a year ago, I was complaining that we weren't getting content. Yeah. Um, so before we get into our news, um, we started something new last week. And I have to admit, I kind of dropped the ball a little bit. But luckily, JG is on top of his game. Um, we've talked a few weeks ago about how the story of Marvel Studios, which is the recently released book, that again is very dense, very good details, thousands of pictures. Um, and we were kind of breaking it down, sharing our highlights. I didn't get a chance to read much this week, but I know JG got a little bit further ahead and he had some news or not news. He had some stories that stood out to him from 2008, the first year that Iron Man and Incredible Hulk came out. So JG, go ahead, take it away. What, what stood out to you from the book this week? Yeah, so my big takeaway for this week is definitely uh, there's a section here. It's a pretty decent chunk. Uh, they talk about uh, their first creative retreat, and it's about after four weeks after Iron Man's release, um, the producers and the high ups of Marvel at that point went away and started talking about the future. And what stood out to me is that a lot of times I've heard about creative retreats, especially for you know being fans of Star Wars and Star Wars books and with everything that's going on with the High Republic and such. Like we've heard about those creative uh, retreats, and so hearing that this company Marvel did this from way back in the beginning. And it goes on to say that they've done it for like, you know, almost almost yearly almost, or they keep doing it. And I think that is so interesting and unique. And it really makes me wonder, like, we talk about how the Marvel and the MCU is so connected and they have that plan and they know what they're doing. I think a huge thing is these retreats. And I really, I wonder if this would be something that would work for other franchises. You know, we've seen, you know, Star Wars is great and we love it, but, you know, it is messy at times. And so I, my big takeaway is that, it's really interesting that they were able to do, set this precedent really early. And there's even points where I think it was like their second or third retreat. There was a heated argument, but they were able to hash it out and be able to, you know, come to an agreement where they needed to move forward. So I think that is really interesting. Yeah, I think that is fascinating. And I wish more franchises would use that kind of technique. Um, I know if you're familiar, JG and I first met from the Star Wars Canon podcast on 1138 Productions. and you know, JG and I, we both follow the High Republic, which is the current Star Wars publishing initiative in books and comics, and it's all connected about 200 years before the movies. And um, I remember JG and I have both spoke about it, how 
the writers, there's a series of four or five writers that they would retreat at Lucasfilm almost two or three times to get their story planned out. And I think that's what's made the High Republic era so successful is because they were able to plan out a beginning, middle, and end in a way that the sequel trilogy didn't. So kind of, um, I think that's a good strategy. And I hopefully under the Disney banner, other Disney properties and other studios would use that retreat. Thanks for sharing, JG. Definitely. All right. Hopefully, so again, if you're just following along with that book, hopefully we'll be into 2009 next week. And we can share some facts about that. All right. As usual, we're going to jump into some news before we get to our Eternals preview. Uh, I've got a couple stories lined up for you. And, you know, we probably could have changed this week's episode to be called something about Spider-Man because most of my stories deal with Spider-Man with us only being about five or six weeks away from Spider-Man. Uh, no way home. Our first source comes from Ingresso, a Brazilian ticketing service that's owned by Fandango, has listed a runtime for Marvel Studios' Spider-Man No Way Home at two hours and 39 minutes. If this turns out to be true, this would make the sequel the longest solo movie in the MCU history and the second longest MCU movie only behind Avengers Endgame. JG, do you find there's a validity in this source? Do you think this runtime makes sense for all the rumors and speculation coming our way from this film? Yeah, I do think so. Uh, you know, we had talked about run, uh, run times in the past from other like international sources uh, breaking this information. So there, there's probably a lot of validity to this. And it makes sense that it is that long because if all the rumors and the speculation should be true, we have all these villains, we have all these heroes that there's a lot of explaining to do. There's a lot going on. Just like Eternals, there's going to be a lot of setup to this that we're going to have to have some questions answered before we can really get to the plot of this story. So I do think two, minute, uh, two hours and 39 minutes, uh, I think no one will be complaining if a lot of these rumors are to be true. Yeah, and our first trailer that came out how long ago now, um, it was three minutes long. So we've only really seen like 2% of footage from this film. So that makes me excited because there's so much more that we have not seen and they're keeping it close to the chest. I do think, like you said, we've heard other um, international sites that have given run times that have turned out to be accurate. And I think, you know, websites like Fandango or other services like it, they need to start preparing because those tickets are going to probably go on sale as soon as we get a second trailer, which should be imminent. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes here. Um, so speaking of that trailer, actually, let's just jump right in that rumor has it that their Spider-Man Spider No Way Home trailer is being delayed due to the fact that there's a disagreement between Marvel and Sony over whether or not they should use and show Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in the trailer. So, JG, you hear this? I mean, I don't think... I mean, I feel like most people that follow our podcast, most people that follow Marvel in general, would be willing to bet money that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be seen on the big screen again next month as Peter Parker. But the general audience might not be as familiar. They're familiar that, hey, there's another Spider-Man coming out because that's starting to come around with information. Um, my, I got two questions for you about this story. Do you think, is it Marvel or Sony that's trying to keep it close to the chest? And do you think that, when, when do you think we would see another trailer? And if we do, will they be in it? Sorry, I'm throwing a lot of questions at you. <laughs> no, answer first? There's, there's a lot. Um, oh. So I, I do think, I think Marvel is the one that's being close to the chest. Marvel is the one that literally will alter their trailers to put fake stuff in it. I think that's enough proof to show that it's Sony. And from what I can tell, Sony has also has uh, revealed more plot in their prior films. So I think this makes a lot of sense that there would be this disagreement. And because there is this mutual 
uh relationship between the two parties it's not like one can be like shut up and sit down like no like they have to come to an agreement whatever that agreement is they both have to say yes because it is mutual they are coexisting there's not one higher than the other and so in regards of when will we see it uh i think we probably i think we would have probably if this is to be true that there are these conversations happening i think we would have seen it already if it, if if there was not a disagreement uh i don't i think it's going to be attached to ghostbusters because that's coming out soon um that's a sony property if i'm understanding correctly reading online so i think that makes a lot of sense uh i know people won it yesterday but ultimately we're gonna we're no matter what you're gonna see this film and so honestly i'd be fine without another trailer I, will i watch the trailer yes i don't need another one though yeah, we're two weeks out from Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's on the 18th. And so I definitely think that would be the smart decision is to put it right with that to get more people to see Ghostbusters as well. And if they can even hold it off and then put it online on Friday, that'd be the smartest thing to do for the Thursday night premiere. Um, but I do think I agree with you 100% that Marvel always plays it close to the chest because they'd rather have some reveals. Um, and I, I do wonder, it makes me wonder if Marvel and Sony have a better relationship that they're willing to talk instead of one just telling the other one what they're going to do. Um, I, As much as I would love to be, I mean, it would have been a great surprise if we didn't have all these rumors about the two of them in it. But I feel like at this point, if if they want to really make this a billion dollar film, which it has the potential to be even during a pandemic, then I think you almost need to really highlight them in the trailer. I, I don't really want it, but I also realize for the general audience, if you put Tom Holland in big letters, you put you know, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and you see all three of them have their quick little hero moment instead of just like a quick little tease at the end, like they did at the end of Civil War trailer with Spider-Man. I hate to say it, like that gives away some things and I don't necessarily know if I want it, but I feel like if they want to make this a billion dollar film, you really highlight, hey guys, you got one month to go until Spider-Man No Way Home and guess who's back? Yep. Maybe they're going to act like, oh, surprise. And we're going to yeah. be like, mm, I was surprised. <laughs> no, I think... I think what they will do, and I don't know if they, sh I don't know if I want this. I think obviously you're going to get, I don't think they're going to be in most of the trailer. I think it's going to be like right at the end, like that last 30 seconds. You'll get maybe like one like sort of text or something, like they'll say something. But I think the best way to really market is and really get this out there is, and I, I don't want this. I want to see this in the film because we know they're going to do it. They have to. If they don't, they're going to do the meme where they're all three pointing at each other. And I think that that, you put that in the trailer. That image is going to be the most shared image of all 2021, like more than anything else. Like that image is going to like break people's minds. It's going to be hilarious. Memes will be made. GIFs will be made. I don't want to see that in that trailer, but it's good marketing. I'm going to, I love the idea, but I'm going to argue and say that should be the post credit scene and don't tease it now. Just let it be like, go almost like with a serious like mid credit scene that sets something up for Venom 2, 3 or whatever. And then you do, you save that as like the shawarma scene at the end. That would be perfect. But who knows? I think that would be a great decision too. Um, moving on with Spider-Man, our next reveal. This was a rumored leak that's going to describe some of the costumes. So if you really don't want to be spoiled, please skip ahead, maybe two or three minutes. But it's going to talk to us about the rumored reveals of what the costumes for Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Green Goblin are going to look like. I'm going to share a little bit of this. Um, I'm not going to read everything, but I'm going to share a few little details and then, JG, I'd like you to respond with kind of what stood out to you the most. So, Tobey Maguire's suit is supposedly going to look identical to how it appeared in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy in the early 2000s. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man suit 
will be very similar and reminiscent of his amazing Spider-Man 2 suit. And it looks like um, it appeared to match the costume that supposedly Garfield wore on a leaked set video from August. The one that interests me the most, though, is William Defoe's Green Goblin suit. It'll look very identical to the Spider-Man counterpart, although it will feature a few notable additions that add some complexity to the villainous look. Included with this look will be a comic-accurate shoulder strap and belt, complete with bomb tag, gold accessories on the legs, and some other fabrics like a purple cloth wrapped around his arm. Some of the suit's damaged sections will be filled in the metallic-looking fill-ins to give him that 100% green coloring. The outfit will be very similar to 2002, but instead of having his mask that he wore that covered his face, William Defoe will have his face shown and instead have black goggles similar to what Dr. Ock wears in Spider-Man 2. Um, and it sounds like we might also get that famous purple hood and scarf at some point in the film from the comic books. So JG, lots of details. It sounds like the Spider-Man will look similar, but Doc, or excuse me, Green Goblin's getting his update to be more comic accurate. What excites you about these possible rumors? I think just the nostalgia factor, I think it's what's exciting because I know for a lot of these fans, like a lot of people love these Spider-Men. And so being able to see that not only do you get that actor and not only do you get that character, but just that, that by looking at that suit and looking at that familiarity, it's going to bring back those memories that you had when you first watched these movies. And so I think it's really exciting. You know, I, I've said before, I've not seen the amazing Spider-Man that's going to change pretty shortly here. Uh, but I do know there's a lot of love for these actors and their characters. Uh, I think Green Goblin is interesting. Um, I really don't know what what to make of it, other than the fact that I think I feel like there's going to be an explanation to some degree because if the other ones were pretty the same, this one is changing a bit. There's got to be something, or it could just be because they want to make it cool, sell more toys. I don't know. It's all good. It's all it's all about nostalgia, and I think it's it's a win win for everyone. Yeah, I think they're going to play that nice blend where, especially if they keep, like, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man suit costume is so um, nostalgic, like you said. It's so iconic because, again, this was one of the very first big superhero movies of the 2000s, right? And so you see this, and it's going to bring back, like, you and I were kids when that came out. And it's going to immediately, if that's in the trailer or on a poster, boom, I got to go see this because that's my superhero when I was a kid. Like Tom Holland, that was his superhero when he was a kid. And so that would make sense to keep that nostalgia factor. I do like the idea of seeing a more comic accurate um, Green Goblin and especially maybe showing his face because, you know, William Defoe, great actor, and you don't want to kind of cover up his face, just like, you know, we're covering up Spider-Man's face, but that's part of his character. I don't know. So I do want to see more of that iconic look, and I really can't wait to see how they explain it as well. Our last Spider-Man story for today, because again, that's all we seem to have news on today is that Kevin Feige cautions against Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield expectations. Here's what Kevin Feige had to say this week. Rumors are fun because many of them are true and many of them are not true. The danger is when you get into the expectation game of wanting people to be excited about the movie they get and not disappointed about a movie they don't get. So JG, that quote there, we know there's a lot of hype surrounding Spider-Man No Way Home with again, just over a month to go. Is Kevin Feige trying to keep audiences from walking out disappointed if either Tom McGuire and Andrew Garfield aren't in it or have a very small role? Or what do you think his point in is making this comment? I think it's just a general statement because 
this, there is so much hype and anticipation in this film. I don't think I've seen a film this anticipated than maybe The Force Awakens. And like, and, and from my personal experience in my life and following movies, uh, I I just I think it's Kevin Feige. First of all, Kevin Feige it does not give up anything. He is probably one of the biggest secret keepers in Hollywood. Like, and and also is probably the most professional and can do it. Uh, I I think. Obviously, at this point, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield is in this film. And so I think at this point, it's now setting our expectations for what we're expecting to see of them. You know, maybe the length. Maybe people are expecting to see them for most of the movie. Well, I think we're going to see them for just the third act. You know, and that might be disappointing for some people. And I think, you know, there oh, there was such a great quote. And I, and I don't remember what it is now. But it was something about expectations and reality. And, it, like, you have to realize that... It's okay to be excited. It's okay to really look forward to something, but don't let that set what you think it actually is going to be. Go in with a blank slate. Go in accepting what that story is that the creator is going to create. Uh, because if not, you're going to let yourself down possibly. And, and maybe you might not have had that experience if you would have went in with a blank slate. Yeah, and I mean, that's one area where I kind of wish that we didn't follow the news as closely as we do. Like if we if we were just maybe general fans of superhero film, films and we could go out and just see this and be shocked. Uh, but I, you know, from the movies that we've seen this year, like Shang-Chi, Black Widow, I didn't know a lot going into it and I still really enjoyed them. So even again, I'm expecting Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. I already know that Doc Ock's back. I know we're going to probably see Green Goblin, a bunch of other characters. And I just want to go in and just really go in without spoilers. I really want to just go in and see the film. And I really can't wait, believe we're that close to it because yeah, out of all the films this year, I think they saved the best for last. And I really can't wait to see how it all comes together. Before this um, year, before this year, like we, we were thinking like, oh, this is the final like Spider-Man movie of this trilogy. And like, we had no expectations. And all of a sudden 2021 comes around and maybe as early as late last year, all of a sudden this is turning into like, we start hearing rumors about, you know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and we're like, what? No, that's never gonna happen. And then as the year goes on, you know, we're getting rumor about all the villains, we're getting all the room, and then we start seeing some of this stuff come out about the multiverse, and we're like, oh crap, this is actually happening. And, and I think that's so, I was thinking about it like, like a year ago, just a year, even a little bit more than a year. This was just a final film of a trilogy. It was probably gonna be a really good film, close out a great trilogy, great character, great actor, actors, and, uh, and here we are now, probably one of the most anticipated films of this century. Yeah, and just think about, like like you said, this is not really just the third film in a trilogy. This is the way I'm looking at it, if it turns out to be true, really the eighth film. Because if you think about it, you had three for Tobey Maguire, two for Andrew Garfield, and then three more for um, Tom Holland. So if it really picks up where the stories leave off, you know, even years later for Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, if this is almost a sequel to those films, like Avengers was a sequel to all the films from phase one, that's exciting to me that this is, again, a movie that's been 20 years in the making, like, you know, even Endgame wasn't 20 years in the making. That was, what, 11 or 12 years. So it's one of those things where it, that just really excites me that there's so much potential here and it's going to be more than, I mean, if, yeah, I, I just, I'm so excited. The Spider-Man saga. We're going to call it the Spider-Man saga when it's all said and done. Oh, and speaking of the Spider-Man saga, I think JG has a quick announcement before we finish our news. Um, next month, we've got a lot of Spider-Man talk coming our way. So JG, can you tell everyone what to expect and maybe how they can participate along with our month of Spider-Man? 
Yeah, so if you guys thought that this was a lot, like we already talked about four stories about Spider-Man and just the news, like that's crazy. Well, we're actually going to be talking a lot about Spider-Man in December, which is pretty obvious. We have that massive movie that's coming out. But in preparation, we are going to be watching the original Tobey Maguire trilogy and also the Andrew Garfield 2 films. And so if you want to go ahead and join in with us, that is going to be something that you can do. Watch those films, get excited. We More than likely, we know these characters are showing up. So we want to refresh it. And also for me, I've never seen The Amazing Spider-Man films so at this point it's, it's about time to watch them and so that first uh wednesday in december is when we'll be covering the andrew garfield and then the second week is when we'll be oh toby mcguire i got it backwards the so first week is toby mcguire second week is andrew garfield and then we'll go do our normal uh preview uh then our non-spoiler and then spoiler review so a whole month of spider-man on the marvel cast podcast uh we can't wait it, you know it's one of the most beloved uh superheroes so a whole month dedicated is quite appropriate to end the year. I've got to give JG a lot of credit because he kind of surprised me with this idea of really like making a month long celebration for a character that we both love. And, you know, I hope that the audience gets excited because, yeah, we're still going to talk about the news. We're still going to talk about other stuff. But Spider-Man's taken over in December. And then oh, yeah. who knows, by the time we get more TV shows and movies next year, maybe we'll do another month of for some of these other big characters. But Spider-Man's our first kind of um, almost like a spinoff podcast a little bit. Yeah, kind of like a celebration and just, you know, there's a lot of history with this character and there's a lot moving forward, a lot of excitement. And, you know, I think it's really good to look back and look forward to what we have to come. And I think you and I will benefit and also our audience will if you try to get involved and watch the Spider-Man movies again, because if you haven't seen these in years or never before like JG, you got to see them before December 18th. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's been it's been over 10 plus. It's It's got to be at least 10 15 years since I've seen the Tobey Maguire. I've seen the third one once, the second one once, and I've seen the first one maybe a few times, but mm. it's been a long time. Oh, I can't wait to dive back in too. So that'll be my plan over Thanksgiving to just binge yes. watch them. All right. We've got one more Sony story, of course, and that would be that this week there was a brand new trailer for a movie coming out in just a few months. Morbius will be released on January 28th, 2022. And, you know, this is part of the Marvel multiverse but i also had some little references to some other films so jg morbius that was another three minute trailer uh so again sony seems to like those three minutes where they can give a lot of the story and make sure the understanding of the you know arcs of the story what did you think about the trailer i know you did a reaction on your personal page yeah uh the trailer confused me i'll tell you that because <laughs> there is so many easter eggs to every iteration of Spider-Man, you know, from Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and also our current MCU. So I'm very confused just in general and want answers like any fan would. Uh, but in general, the film looks very dark. It looks very gritty. I would almost say more than Venom, even. Uh, I definitely think it's Jared Leto, right? It's, yeah, Jared Leto. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I thought he really looks like he's embracing that role really well. It's a role made for him. Uh, I... I get this vibe, and I get this perception, and it could be very wrong. Uh, it gives me a vibe that I don't, just for some reason, I don't think that this is going to be universally received well, and it could tank in the bonk box office. There's just something about it that, it, while I'm excited for it, and just for the continuity of it, and also just seems interesting, it just doesn't seem like it's a film for the general public of people who are going to see these films. I could be very, very wrong. Venom has kicked a lot of butt. Just something about it. I don't know what it is. Something just seems off. 
and usually i hate to say it january is usually like the graveyard of movies you don't really see a lot of box office hits in january um i do think i mean like we said we had four or five months in a row now of marvel films i do wonder if people are going to get burnt out and especially like if not people aren't going out to theaters maybe a bunch but they go out in december they might want to just hold back after seeing spider-man and stay home i do wonder Obviously, there's going to be a Morbius trailer in front of Spider-Man. So people that are there are going to see it if they haven't seen it online. I would wonder, with all the Easter eggs and references in a three-minute trailer, if Spider-Man No Way Home would throw some teases or even maybe a cameo by Michael Morbius, Jared Leto. That way, again, if Sony's really trying to get people to buy into their Sony Spider-Man universe, that's one way to do it. Put him in there and say, see you next month, even as a post credit scene. Um, so I do wonder... I. I I think it'll still do well because, again, it's Marvel. It has that feel of Spider-Man. It has that feel of, of Venom, and those movies have done well. I, I'm hopeful it will do well because I yeah. want to keep seeing more movies. I want to support it. I do. Um, and I do hope that, you know, I do wonder how much, especially, again, spoiler alert real quick, with the Venom post credit scene from Let There Be Carnage, if Marvel is having any mm, influence or any like are they sitting in on any meetings at sony because i would hope so they can give some feedback i don't know how much sony would accept it but i hope they would listen to marvel because marvel has shown sony how to make three amazing spider-man films from what we've seen so far and so um yeah i don't know i i let's talk about some of those easter eggs real quick um the ones that stand out to me we saw the oscorp building logo from amazing spider-man yes we saw a Daily Bugle newspaper, I think, from, like, the Venom logo, not the one from the, like, the um, the one that we saw in Far From Home. Yes. So it was a different Daily Bugle logo from the newspaper. And in the Daily Bugle, from, like, that one seconds on there, we saw references to Rhino, and we saw references to Black Cat, two characters from Amazing Spider-Man. Um, what else did we see? We saw at the end he says that he's Venom, right? the stinger they also and talk the other about one, this they also talk oh, about yeah, the, san, the san francisco scene and that could have two different meanings obviously the most likely one is venom right yeah but and it's not going to happen but it could also be referencing you know they said something big from san francisco well iron or excuse me ant-man got big in san francisco and ant-man on the wasp i doubt that's the connection but again they might be leaving some things mm -hmm. little tease there um was there anything else i missed when there was it came a two there was a Tobey Maguire uh, mural on the wall. And that was in the first teaser, because remember, yeah. this this movie was supposed to come out last month originally, I think, right? Yeah. Or maybe even last year, I don't even remember. But it's been out, and they've had it finished for a while. So that actually, what's surprising is it says, like, wanted or killer or something on Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. But that's the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man costume from the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 game. Yeah. So it's, like, lots of kind of, oh, it's confusing. And then... Of course, Michael Keaton has another cameo like he did yes. in the first trailer. So is that our version of Vulture or is that a variant of Vulture? Is this in the Venom um, universe? Is this in the MCU? It's I, I don't even know where to begin. What I do have, you think? I have, My prediction, because I've been really, been really trying to make sense of it because it is <laughs> so confusing. Um, and then that's the thing is because of how confusing it is, they have to simplify it. Because there are, while there are a lot of us fans like you and I, where we'll podcast, we'll look up articles, we're going to be on social media exposing this, like doing that, you know, extra nerdy stuff. There are definitely 
way more general people going into these films who aren't doing what we're doing. And so they have to simplify this in some way. And I think the only way that it- Or, or are we just crazy and everyone else is normal? That's also a big possibility. <laughs> the only way that I think that makes sense to me right now is that we've seen it now with Venom when the whole, he goes from his to the MCU proper. I think whatever is happening in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, I think it's bringing these separate Spider-Man verses into one, into the MCU. And I think Morbius is actually in our, in our, the MCU proper timeline. And I think at this point, these timelines have kind of converged into one. And so the, that way they're all, it's, it's simple. It's, you know, they're all part of the MCU now, period. Like it's, it's still the Spider-Man, Spider-Verse. They, Sony could do their own proper things, but you don't have to confuse it. You don't have three separate timelines. Like it's just, it's all the MCU now. I would love that so much because then if there is any little bit of collaboration, like if Sony knows what Marvel's planning, then Sony can make reference to those characters and those stories. Like that would be my personal dream because at that point, then you already have Fantastic Four and X-Men coming down the pipeline. You've got all the Sony characters. You've got Incredible Hulk. This would finally be the completely unified story that we deserve to get that. And I really hope you're right because that would just be the dream come true. That's it just been... simplifies it. It's, it's, it's simple. It's easy. It, it might be, some people might think it's cheap, but I think for, I even think for Sony's point of view, it makes so much more sense. It's one less thing for them to have to worry about instead of like, okay, we have the amazing Spider-Man universe. We have the Spider-Man universe. We have the MCU universe. We have the Venom universe. Well, why don't you just fix it and have whatever the heck Doctor Strange is doing somehow screw it all up and consolidate them into one or two heck even like whatever it is like just simplify it yeah because my only concern would be let's say they're all in the mcu like you said suggest then we're gonna have three spider-men forever in here because unless something happens to the other two i mean i don't i don't want them to be disconnected but i could also see them saying we're just gonna have two universes we got the mcu we got all the sony characters right over here and they Tom Holland can go back and forth, maybe. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it would still be nice to have that connection. Ever since Venom, Let There Be Carnage, by having that connected tissue, that's all I need. I want more, but I need that's all I need. So, yeah, I mean, we'll be, after we finish up Month of Spider-Man, we're going to move right into Morbius. And I, hopefully, again, I'd love to see some type of tease. And I hope that this timeline situation or universe situation is explained and even if it's a comment or a sentence or two, it needs some type of clarification because I'd be really frustrated if I walk out of Morbius with more questions than I have answers. There's a lot of us fans who do know that there's like four universes right now involving around the Spider-Man. Like there has to be some sort of resolution to some, or even some half answers, just something to give us a hint of what's going on. Because if not, people are going to walk out of that theater, whether it be the No Way Home or walk out of Morbius, and they're going to be like, well, what universe am I in? Like, that is going to be a question that people ask. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, again, I'd love for clarification before I see the movie, but I'll still accept it during the movie as long as I get some. I would be very disappointed if we don't get more clarification on that. And maybe we'll get more after No Way Home. Maybe Sony will put out a statement. Maybe there'll be another trailer. Who knows at that point, okay? All right, we got one last story. And this one uh, kind of caught me off guard, but I'm also kind of intrigued by it. The fact that Jim Carrey is rumored to be playing Modoc in the upcoming 
um, MCU shows and films. He could potentially appear as early as She-Hulk, whether that comes out next year or the following year, and might even make an appearance in Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantum Mania. Um, in the comics, and I'm actually more familiar with MODOK from the PlayStation 4 Avengers game, and also from um, my wife and I play, it's called Disney Villainous and Marvel Villainous. It's a board game. And so it's a game that we've really enjoyed over quarantine together. And MODOK's one of the characters you can play as the villain to try to win. And so um, MODOK is very much associated with AIM that we saw in Iron Man 3. So he's a very unique, if you can picture him or if you need to look him up, he's a big giant floating head. And he has a show on Hulu that's not MCU related. We haven't, I have not watched it. It's more of a comedy by Patton Oswalt. But um, so JG, Jim Carrey. Are you excited to see this comedian maybe take on a more, again, a comical villain role in the MCU? So confession and don't send the hate mail. I am not a Jim Carrey fan. Um, I cannot think of something that I've seen where I have enjoyed his comedy. With that being said, I'm not going to go into something being like, oh, this is going to suck or this is going to be awful. So I'm intrigued. Um especially with a character like this because i have i've seen that character because whenever that hulu show came out you just saw that face everywhere and it is like borderline disturbing like it is a it is very memorable when you see that face you know that's modok and so um i'm intrigued i i i don't know i don't have a very high excitement for it but i'm very intrigued I and mean, i think for that character what i'm the vibes i'm getting it fits Jim Carrey. Like, that is a role for Jim Carrey. Yeah, and I think he's at that, you know, I don't even know how old he is, but I feel like, I hate to say he matured a little bit, because, like, in the 90s, he played, like, Ace Ventura. He played um, the Joker, or, excuse me, the Riddler in Batman Forever. So he's already done, he's stepped his foot into comic book movies before. And I feel like, I hate to say it, he's matured a little bit. And with the Marvel production side, they're not going to let him go full Jim Carrey. They're going to make sure he stays into the role that he's supposed to be. Um, I didn't see Sonic the Hedgehog, but I know he played the villain in that. Did you see the Sonic? Yeah, I did not see good? it. I oh, did okay. not see it, but yeah, he is in that. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like he's almost having his own little renaissance here where he's getting a chance to take some of these big roles. And hopefully he, um, I, I think with Marvel steering the ship, he'll be fine. Anything else on any of those news stories today, JG? Nope, I think it's, uh, we're definitely gearing up for a lot of Spider-Man and I'm excited. Yep. Again, month of Spider-Man coming up in just about 27 days. December 1st, we'll start that. All righty. Um, our, our main topic for today, we're going to spend a couple minutes wrapping up our show by giving an Eternals preview. And the way that JG and I discussed doing this, because there are 10 new hero characters, we are going to briefly introduce them. We're going to just talk briefly about the actor, the character, and kind of um, maybe just a quick explanation or what we hope to see from them. So I have um, pulled up the character list here, the cast list. Um, the first one that stands out, Gemma Chan as Cersei. JG, um, Gemma Chan previously appeared, if you remember, in Captain Marvel as a different character. So now we're seeing her without the blue makeup that she played with um, on, what was his name, Yonrock, I think. Yeah. On his, yeah, so she was on his team before. So she's playing a new character called Cersei, which is an empathetic eternal with strong connection to humans and the Earth, who can manipulate inanimate excuse me, an inanimate matter. I can't speak today. Um, any, from her being like the first person on the cast list, I assume she's going to play a big role. Um, what do you hope to see out of Cersei in the movie? Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued. I've heard, you know, obviously I avoid spoilers, um, but you do hear some things like when you read some very non-spoilery tweets. I heard that she does have a huge presence in this film. 
Um, so I'm excited, especially for maybe an actress who maybe didn't have such a big role before, uh, getting another chance to do something and really be able to show. Because that's another thing. People don't, I think, don't think some people realize that like a lot of acting is in that facial acting. And so to be actually be able to like not have all that makeup on and such, I think it's going to be really exciting to see uh, what she can do. Absolutely. Our next big cast member is Richard Madden as Icarus. Um, I'm most familiar with this actor from Game of Thrones. I don't know, JG, did you watch that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so well, he's the one I think that I'm most familiar with for this cast. And it says that he was one of the most powerful Eternals who can fly and project cosmic energy beams from his eyes. I mean, we see in the trailer, this is going to be our version of Superman, isn't it? What do you think about his character? Uh, obviously, like, <laughs> spoilers, he was gone way too soon in Game of Thrones. Uh, so I'm really I'm excited to see more. I hope he survives this film just because I really do enjoy that actor. Uh, to, I, I, I have nothing against lasers coming out of eyes, so sure, sign me up for that. Yep. Next up, we've got Kamal Najini as playing Kingo. He's an Eternal who can project cosmic energy projectiles from his hands. And they just put out um, a little clip about three minutes on YouTube, I think yesterday or the day before, where he's an actor in Bollywood, India's version of Hollywood, and he's kind of getting called back into the action. Um, he's more of a comedian. I've seen him in a couple different roles, including on the new Twilight Zone that CBS All Access put out, and I really enjoyed his episode. So JG, an eternal who can project cosmic energy projectiles from his hands, more of the actor-comedian side. What are you looking forward to with this character? Yeah, he's awesome. I loved his energy, especially I was watching the world premiere red carpet, or I guess it was a purple carpet, uh, The whenever they had that about a few weeks ago, and he had so much energy on the set. I'm so excited to see, and I think that's what's so cool about this film, is that we're going to see so many different cultures and just have such a rich, fun joy with this. I'm excited to see. Mm -hmm. The next one's, I think, the one that I'm most excited to learn more about, and this is Leah McHugh playing Sprite. It says that she's an Eternal who can project lifelike illusions. She has the physical appearance of a 12-year-old child with McHugh calling her an old soul. So this one, for some reason, it gave me weird vibes of like Baby Yoda, Grogu. It gave <laughs> me weird vibes of like Groot, Baby Groot, because having that old soul, even like a 50-year-old Grogu in a 12-year-old's appearance, I just feel like it's going to look like a child, but it's going to have like the sass of an older person because it's Eternal. So are you excited to meet Sprite tomorrow? Oh yeah, I think Sprite is going to be, I think Sprite might be one of my favorites uh, before. Uh, just from what I've seen on in the trailers, I get to, it's going to be a lot of fun with uh, her. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Our next one's Brian Tyree Henry playing Fastos, an eternal and intelligent weapons and technology inventor. He is the first superhero to be depicted as gay in the MCU. I think this plays a big role for representation. I think this is going to be an exciting character for a couple of reasons. You have someone that's representing a member of the LGBTQ community, but also someone that's focused on weapons and technology. And I think he's going to be badass. Are you excited for um, Fastos? Oh yeah, Fastos is going to be Fastos is going to be awesome because I think what's so cool about Fastos is that because of the fact that he has like that special speciality in armor and tech and all that stuff and weapons. But I think we're also going to see like that soft side you know, through his relationship and such. And like you said, representation is so important. We had talked about it in Venom, Let There Be Carnage and such. And I think moving forward as we continue to just allow, and we'll even talk about another, I think, a huge representation in this cast. But um, I'm super excited. I think it's super important. And I just, I really, I, I just hope that it does have the impact that they want it to have. 
yeah from what i've heard from like again the non-spoiler reviews it sounds like it's not just going to be a quick passing reference like some of the other disney movies have tried to do i think they're going to let this relationship kind of build and i hope it does because you know just looking at it, first of all before we go on this is such a diverse cast male female all different you know skin types it's going to be such a great way for people to find a character that looks like them on the screen in a way that they might not have been able to do before um the next one we have is Lauren Ridloff as Makari, an Eternal who possesses the power of super speed. The character is the first deaf superhero in the MCU. So there's, again, once more, another great representation. And so I'm really excited because you and I are familiar with Lauren Ridloff's work on Walking Dead, where she played um, an individual who's deaf in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. So to see her, she left the show for a while to film this. Are you excited to see her take on this part of a super speedster Makari? I am most excited for her. Like, she is such a treat. She is a gem. Again, referencing the red carpet, she loves this character, and I am just so, so excited. I love this actress so much. She's incredible. Like, uh, she had an incredible episode in the most recent season of The Walking Dead that was probably one of the most horrific pieces of horror that I've seen on TV. And her facial expressions were some of the best I've ever seen. And now we get to see her in the MCU. Heck yes. Like I, I'm so, so, so excited to see her. And I'm so excited to brag to all my friends. We're like, I've been watching her now for a couple of years. Y'all are just seeing her. Y'all need to go watch them walking dead. Like she's awesome. I'm so excited. And there was a story that came out a couple of weeks ago. We didn't talk about it on our show, but I remember there was an interview with her where she said, and I think she does a really good job of advocating for herself. And that's really important too in Hollywood. So she um, was filming at a scene and I'm trying to summarize the scene, but basically she was like facing against a green screen or blue screen wall and she could not hear what the directors were saying, obviously. So she's expected to react without having that. And I think it was Angelina Jolie that made that connection with her and said to the director, um, we need to stop because one of our actors is not getting the direction that she needs. So I really like that again, from what I understand, Lauren Ridloff kind of advocated for herself, but also Angelina Jolie realized hey we need to make sure everyone is in the on the same page and we can't do that if we do it the old school way of doing things yeah and she even so, had a she even had an interview yesterday where she was talking about subtitles in movie theaters and how it, people should have that access uh that like it's as simple as just asking because you know that what that is has been such a huge barrier for people and now that you know we are starting to move forward where things are more accessible for people and that that should be an option and i even laugh i forget who the interviewer was but it's like it also helps the people who can't hear because now you get to see the names and you can actually see the spelling so it's a win-win for everyone but i think seeing her talk about that is so important and like i really do hope to see we start to see that more as a norm absolutely okay our next um actor is barry kugan as Druid, an aloof eternal who can manipulate the minds of others it's a very short synopsis i've got a feeling and just based on his poster i'm looking at as well right now it reminds me a little bit more of a like a loki character he something in the trailer too i have a feeling he's not going to be with all the other Eternals on the same side for most of the film. Is that the vibe you're getting from him? I <laughs> I really hope there's not a betrayal, but I think if there's a betrayal, it's coming from him. And maybe he's the obvious choice. Maybe he's like a red herring. I don't know. Just his appearance, he looks like he's up to something. I don't know. Yes. All right. After him, we've got Don Lee as Gilgamesh. And Gilgamesh, the strongest Eternal with deep connection to Thena, who's played by Angelina Jolie, 
Um, so I'm just reading real quick. Lee pursued the role in order to be an inspiration to the younger generation as the first Korean superhero. And he was able to utilize his boxing and training for this role. So obviously, again, another example of representation. I can't think of any other lead superheroes that are Korean. So I'm excited to learn more about Gilgamesh and having this, he's going to be like the Hulk, the main like muscle of the team. Are you excited for him? Yeah, and I think we're going to get some uh, unexpected humor from him. I think he's going to bring maybe some more of that dry humor. And so I'm excited. I'm just really excited to see how they all interact with each other. They all have vastly different uh, powers and personalities. And so to see this group together as the Eternals as a whole, I think it's going to be really fascinating. Yeah, I did see a poster somewhere. And I'll have to share it with you. But it, it had like five of the characters in one poster and five on the other, like the brains and the muscles on them. Yes. So that's interesting. Like, I mean, well, I have a few other questions for you when we're done with the cast list. And we'll get to that in just a second here. Um, our next one is, um, I guess, two more Eternals. And then we got a few other casts I want to bring up real quick. Um, Selma Hayek is playing Ajax. Again, Selma Hayek, as far as I can remember, is either Academy Award nominee or an Academy Award winner. So she's going to be one of, like, again, the, I think the standouts of the show. It says she's a wise and spiritual leader of the Eternals who has the ability to heal, and she is the bridge between the Eternals and the Celestials that created them. So in the book, um, I think Ajax is male. So they changed the character from a man, yep, in the comics that allowed Hayek to lead into Ajax more feminine femininity, it says here, and make more her more, she's going to be the mother figure it's being described as. So um, I don't know how big of a role she's going to have compared to when you are, I mean, you got 10 main characters, but um, are you excited to see Selma Hayek, this again, award-winning actress, take on this role here too? Yeah, I think, again, it's just, I'm like super intrigued. I think there's a lot of these characters and like hers, they just like, we don't know a lot about it going in. And so I'm excited just to see what they do with that character. And like, you know, they do have that caliber of high acting and being able to do really a good job. I'm curious to see what they do with the material um, and what they have for us. Yep. And then our 10th and final member of the Eternals, and then I've got one more cast member, is Angelina Jolie. And again, she's obviously the one that surprised me the most. I think when they did the original cast announcement, she's the most famous, I would have to say, of these 10 actors. And so she's playing Thena, an elite warrior Eternal who can form any weapon out of cosmic energy. She develops a close bond with Gilgamesh over centuries. Um, Jolie had to train with various swords, spears, and staffs for the role while also taking ballet. Something about her appearance, her description reminded me immediately of Wonder Woman. Did you have a similar vibe or what does she remind you of when you first see her character? Oh, I didn't even think about that. But now that you mentioned it, definitely. I think it's, I think it's really powerful. Like, I think there was a point, I feel, that the MCU was kind of, I don't want to say, even though they were very well received by the fans, there was a little bit of, like, I guess, taboo. I don't know if that's the right word. From Hollywood, where it just, it feels like, Oh, it's a Marvel film. And so now we're starting to see some of these very, very big, like, A-list actors and actresses uh, coming on, big, small, in-between roles. Someone like Angelina Jolie, I never would have thought, and I'll be honest, I never would have thought that we would have seen her in an MCU film. And when we got that announcement, I was like, what? And I think that she's going to have a very, very prominent role. And I've heard people say that she's their favorite part, so I'm very very excited and curious especially it's one thing for an actress or an actress like an a-list actress or actress to do like a, a big fandom uh film but it's one thing also then to embrace the character and to really enjoy it she's always has said that she will never take on a project if she doesn't 
identify with the character or like somehow associate herself with the character. So there's something there about Thena that I'm, if Angelina Jolene is, is really into this, then I'm into this and I'm excited to see. Absolutely. So those are our 10 main characters we've got there. There is one other actor that's in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler, but Kit Harington, um, again from Game of Thrones, Jon Snow, is playing Dan Whitman, a human who works at the Natural History Museum in London and is dating Cersei. Now, if you're familiar with Dan Whitman from the comics, he actually becomes a hero called Black Knight. And so I don't know if we're going to see his origin story or if we're just introducing him now. But I think it's interesting, you know, we're going to get to see Richard Madden and Kit Harington, two big actors on Game of Thrones, but it, really they only probably shared a total of five minutes of screen time, 10 minutes at most, because their characters separated so early in the first season and they never really got a chance to reunite. Um, uh, did you, I mean, Kit Harington was one of my favorite parts of Game of Thrones as an actor. Are you excited to see him take on this Marvel role and hopefully have a future in Marvel? Yeah, I'm really excited. I really hope that his character is a little bit different though, because we did get to see a lot of it without spoiling it if for some reason you haven't seen the show um you we got to know that character very well Jon Snow and so I really do hope that you know he changes it up a little bit and we get to see a different side of him and I want to see more because like I think that's the only thing I've seen him in and so I, I also want to see more chemistry with him and Richard Madden like you said I think that would be really fun uh I don't think that this is going to focus on the origin of the Black Knight at all that will more than likely be teased in the post credit scene. Uh, I think that you don't get Kit Harriting to just play Dane Whitman, just a human, for one Marvel film. No. You have Kit Harriting because you're going to use Kit Harriting. And you're going to have that actor for years and years to come. Absolutely. We got a nice list. I mean, we got 10 main characters plus... Um, Kit Harrington. I don't expect to be a big star of the film. Um, out of all the 10 there, if you had to pick three that you think are going to be like the leads and the other ones are going to be more supporting, which three stand out to you that are going to maybe take the lead and have the most screen time? Uh, let's see. I will say Gemma Ch and Angelina Jolie and uh, I, the, 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 I think those are our big two. I think uh, I'll go with I'll go with uh, Jurig. I'll go with Barry. And I'm going to go with, just I'm looking at my cast list now too, I think uh, Richard Madden, Icarus, because he had a big presence in the trailer, along with Gemma Chan, Cersei. And I'm hoping for Sprite, but Ajax so important in the comics from what I understand, but it does sound like, I have, I have a weird feeling that Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek are going to be more supporting, again, more like the motherly figures, and let the other ones kind of take the lead. I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. Um. Are you nervous at all? I mean, you and I have talked, and I, I want to go in with fresh expectations, but it is disappointing that this is the first film in the MCU that has received um, a, a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes before the movie has come out. Is that something that's concerning you? Has it brought down your hype for the film, or are you just going in like you always do with open mind? Yeah, so it, it definitely, I will say, I think subconsciously, it definitely has affected it, because I, I don't know how you can, as a human, and especially a human that's invested into pop culture and fandom and Marvel, Star Wars, etc., and not hear that and not be affected. Like, you're gonna, even if it's subconsciously, you're gonna have that, oh, feeling about it. Uh, regardless, I always, always, always try to go into every film that I see, especially when it's Star Wars or Marvel, with a blank slate. I want to go in, I'm excited, and I have hopes, and I have expectations, but I also... 
especially as a person where myself I've been writing a lot more and uh, creating more I, w I want to have that expectation where I let the whatever the story that the writer or the creator has intended that's the story and maybe I don't like all of it maybe I don't like pieces of it but that's the story like there's no like I don't need this to be retconned I don't need this to be changed it, it definitely it, it is a it is a little bit of a bummer but again that's the thing is is that it's an opinion just because maybe 59% of people liked it and 41% didn't like it, this movie could be made just for you. This movie could, you could be the only person who liked this film and that's okay. But that's movies and art is subjective for a reason. Absolutely. And I, I do think that by the time we get together and talk on Monday, the big question is going to be, this is again, the very first out of however 24, 25 films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is and rotten going into the movie and none of the other ones are rotten or anywhere close to it really um i really I, i'm curious if this is going to hurt the box office and i'm hopeful it won't because i do feel like people are going to see that marvel studios and they've associated every other marvel studios film as a fun time a chance to escape reality a chance to go be with awesome characters and i hope that this one does the same thing i hope with some of the big names attached to it it brings people into the theaters i hope that people go in and they're excited to learn about new characters. Do you think, and again, you and I have avoided any kind of post-credit, mid-credit scene. I know there's two that I'm aware of. Yes. Uh, spoilers. I mean, I've got two questions for you. Do you yeah. think either in a credit scene or in the movie, are we going to see new material of any of our current heroes? And my other question is, with the Eternals being around for thousands and thousands of years, will we have any type of montage to see scenes maybe from a different perspective from like the other films and see where the Eternals were maybe in the background. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, that'd be that. That could, that really could really do well for fan service, especially if maybe there's going to be some other things that maybe don't hit as well. I think that could really help a lot is have that familiarity. Maybe I could actually see that more than I think about it. Cause you have a film that is so, even though it takes place on earth, it's so foreign and so alien that having those, even if it's like maybe let's just say three to five moments uh, from the MCU and we see them in the background or observing or whatever, uh, I think that that does well because it gives a little bit of, for lack of better terms, comfort for the viewer. Yeah, I think that's fan service done in a right way. I think it would be awesome to see maybe scenes that have really stood out. Like imagine the attack on New York and mm. it wasn't it, didn't we say, I'm sorry to look, um, the natural oh no, no natural museum history in london i thought it was in new york for some reason i bet you though some of these characters would probably be in the united states and we'll have some kind of connection um imagine if one of them was in wakanda like imagine there's so much potential here of what we could see and the movie is pretty long right it's, it's just under is it two and a half hours too it's two hours and 37 minutes yeah so again we're gonna have plenty of time hopefully enough time to let the characters grow um are you expecting more like is it going to start kind of like captain marvel in the middle of the action and do flashbacks or do you see like the first half of the movie is going to be not first half, but like the first third, maybe giving exposition, building up and then getting into present day. What, which option do you think is going to happen? Oh man. Uh, I think if you, I, I think you have to get us caught up. I think you have to start with the earliest point and move the timeline forward until where we are currently, because I think if you do flashbacks, I think it could get choppy. And can kind of be messy and like it, it might also for some viewers might 
you might not want you might not care like i i want to see the present story like if there's all this danger and stuff that's going on and like you cut away to like a flashback or something that could get annoying for some people so i feel i think what i would want and i think what i feel is, is going to happen is that we're gonna start at the earliest point of whatever this eternal story is however many seven thousand six thousand years ago and move forward it's gonna be quick like i don't think it's gonna be longer than like 10 15 minutes like it kind of like how shang chi opened where like we were all the way back in the beginning when he got when the, the rings we saw so i think that's the i think that's what they're going for and i did hear a rumor that we're going to see like these ancient civilizations like the babylonians the sumerians and that excites me because that's what i'm teaching right now in my history class and mm -hmm. so if i can tie this into my what i'm teaching you know next week at any way i definitely will um i'm excited for that possibility i i mean a lot of the movies and shows, not all of them, but a lot of them have tied into the multiverse. Do you expect any multiverse connection or do you expect this to be more of let's introduce the Eternals so that way we're ready to bring them in for another film in the future? I think if there's any multiverse connection, it's coming in the form of the uh, post one of the post credit scenes. I think the one post credit scene is going to be introduced in the Black Knight. And I think the other one has a wide variety of what it could be celestial related multiverse related something like that do all 10 eternals make it out of this film no mm -mm. I, don't I don't even know i don't even know where to begin with who because just from no. reading their character descriptions and talking about them like you know i haven't really done that until tonight with you to be honest so a lot of that was a surprise to me and they all sound so interesting and i just want to see them and we're less than now 22 hours away and i just really want to see them in person tomorrow i feel like Thena is a lock to die but that's my he, per that's my personal opinion. She would be like the sacrifice if she had to sacrifice herself, and maybe they made a deal with Angelina Jolie. She only wanted to do one movie. I could see that. I would be disappointed just from what I've seen of her so far, and that would be hard. Um, that was uh, that makes sense though. I mean, I, with what's on the schedule and the roster, I'm looking at coming up in the next two or three years. Where are we going to see the Eternals next? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I, there's, from what we know, from what we've seen from the trailers and from the general knowledge, there doesn't appear to be anything that they would fit in from what we know. But they could also then be those characters that they could be fit into anything then. And so then, who knows what then? And you know what? Because you've got 10 characters, and let's, let's predict for a second that all 10 survive, which I don't think is going to happen, but let's say they do. You're, you don't need to bring all 10 back together until an Eternals 2, which could be three or four years from now. But what's stopping you from bringing one or two or three or four and popping them into another movie or a TV show? Like, they literally are supposed to be spread out around the world protecting us. So let them do that. They don't need to all 10 show up in spandex together and save the day. Um, I've thrown a lot of questions at you. Do you have any prediction questions for me before we wrap up today? Oh, uh, yeah. Let me think. Uh, I'll put you on the spot here. I know. I had to think about that. Uh, ooh, I did not prepare. Uh, oh, okay, yes. So, we, like, what do you think, like, we're, like, this whole, like, if you had to predict, what do you think we're leading to? Because, like, obviously the trailer has been talking a lot about, like, they're fighting the uh, deviants and such. I, I don't think that that could, there's no way that that is, like, the conflict of the film. Like, I feel like that's first act material. So, like, what do you think, like, our big opposition is? Because I really don't think... The defense is all that is our antagonists. Unless, I mean, if that's part of the reason why the reviews are lower, because maybe it doesn't hit in the third act the way we would expect it to, that's possible. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
I hope that they're holding something back close to the chest. Could it be, I mean, if this, you got 10 people fighting, this needs to be, I hate to say it, a Thanos level event because these superheroes, these Eternals, they sound very powerful, very strong. You don't bring them in to fight off like, a, a, I'm just thinking of who's on top of my head, like a Green Goblin. You know, you need something bigger, something better. And it has to be something from outer space. It has to be something that even Carol Danvers couldn't face off on her own. So I don't know what that is. I don't know unless there's like a mega deviant, because I feel like if there are some big characters, you're going to probably save them maybe for a sequel. Like most of them don't use the big bad in the first one. That's just a theory. Do you have any predictions on who you'd like to see? I know we have, there's that one and I don't remember his name, but there is a, there's like the leader of the variants who is like basically for lack of better terms, like caressing Athena's uh, uh, cheeks in that scene, which I think I've heard that he's a leader of the de- of the deviants, but like they have a relationship of some sort. And I mean, based off of that action, I would say yeah, there is. She obviously doesn't like it too much though, because she kind of shrugs away. But there is, they have a past, um, and I think a romantic past. And so I'm very, I, I just I don't know. It just it feels that with such the scope that there is something that we don't know, and that there is going to be something that really shocks us and i think that's where the divisiveness is coming is that whatever this true villain a true enemy or true conflict is it hits for some specifically let's talk specifically for the critics because those are most of the people who've seen it right now uh it either hit for the critics or it didn't hit for the critics and so i think it's really going to depend on the fans and you know it's personal taste well only time will tell. And luckily, in about 25 hours from now, we will know everything there is to know about the Eternals and then have time to really dive deep into it. So next week, we will do our spoiler-free review. So if you don't get to see it between now and next Thursday, make sure you can still come back and listen. We're not going to you know, spoil anything major, but we'll give our, our general feedback to it. And then in two weeks from now, when we return, we will be recording our spoiler-filled episode. That'll give you some time to see the film. We hope that you get a chance to go out and see it, and we'd love to hear your feedback. So that's going to wrap up episode 11 of Marvel Cast. Um, JG, before we wrap up officially, can you tell the audience where they can find you or what you're working on this week? Yeah, so you can find me on my YouTube channel at Cars on YouTube, do reactions for Lost, Marvel, Star Wars, all that fun stuff. Uh, really good times. That's what I'm mostly working on right now. I do want to just say one more really quick thing. Uh, and, and records uh, to like scores and such. Uh, a lot of people are going to start seeing this weekend, and there's a lot of people who are going to. This is going to have a really low score, I feel, from the fan side. Don't let that discourage you. Let it see it. There's a lot of people who are negatively rating this without even seeing the movie. Uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, this movie is going to be a very diverse movie for people of all different cultures, uh, different sexual orientations, etc. And unfortunately, there are people in this world uh, who will just angrily just dislike that and rate it before even seeing it. And so please, please, please do not be discouraged by that. See this film, make it for your, make the decision for yourself and let that impact your and not what someone puts on the internet. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I am glad you said that. I mean, like JG said, this is going to be a movie for many people where it's going to be like a first time experience, like how Black Panther was for the African-American community. And so I really hope that the people that see themselves on the screen here really have that moment to shine. So I hope, like JG said, get out there. Don't let negative reviews go in with an open mind. You've already seen all the other Marvel films. You've enjoyed them. I expect the same quality that they wouldn't be putting it out yet if they did have more work to do on it. 
So again, that's going to wrap up episode 11 of Marvel Cast. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of Marvel and Spider-Man with us. We want fans to interact with this podcast, so we can't wait to hear your feedback and questions. After you see the Eternals, send us your thoughts, and we'll make sure we can either include them on our spoiler-free or spoiler-filled episodes in the next two weeks. Our Gmail is marvelcastpod at gmail.com. Once again, that's marvelcastpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe to 1138 Productions if you don't already, because we're going to continue to put out content weekly, just like we have for the past 11 weeks. And also there's going to be a lot more coming your way from the other co-hosts on 1138 Productions. From JG and I, have a marvelous week. And remember, I could do this all day.